Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. My name is Katie Dalebout. I am your host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to be back with you guys for another week of the show. This week, I come to you from where I always come to you, my bedroom, and our guest comes from you from all the way down under in Australia. I have the amazing Melissa Ambrosini on the podcast. She had a book come out right around the time of my book. It came out a week before mine. It's called Mastering Your Inner Mean Girl, and we talk about that and just so much more. We talk about relationships and how she met her husband and just so much really cool, juicy content, which I'm really excited for you to get to. But first, I want to mention a couple things. So our show today is sponsored by the amazing Samantha Skelly, and you will hear a little blurb about her at the end of this episode. There's an amazing interview with her where you'll get to hear about her work and how she got to where she is and she's a really interesting person so stick around for that for sure and then at the end of that after that mini interview I will tell you who's coming up on the show next week. So stick around to the end of the episode to hear about who I'm really excited is coming on the show next week and before we get into both of those interviews starting with Melissa I want to just remind you guys about a couple things. Obviously my book is out so if you haven't gotten a copy yet it would be so cool if you could check it out and if you have gotten a copy yet and you liked it it would be so cool if you could leave a review on Amazon and just let everyone else know how you feel about the book and while you're at it leaving your review on iTunes is so helpful and we're actually doing a little contest so if you leave a review both on iTunes and Amazon you'll be entered to win this prize package from me And it's a little care package for me where you'll get a signed journal and a book and a good medicine beauty lab. My partners there are providing things from my line for their amazing natural beauty products. So they're going to give you a fragrance, Wonder, my fragrance with them, as well as a Wonder tank that is my tank top line with them. So yeah, leave a review just because it's nice or because you want to enter the contest. Either way, same result. It'd be really cool to have your review. So the other thing I want to chat about is I'm doing a little book tour. So I'm probably coming your way and I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited to meet as many of you as possible and just give as many hugs as possible and sign books and hang out and take photos and just be together and have community because that's what it's all about, right? That's why I do this. That's why I sit alone in my room with my microphone. So in the future, I can be in a room not alone with a lot of you guys. So first place that I will be is this Saturday. I will be here in Detroit at my favorite coffee shop at Red Hook for my book signing and my book launch party there. It's going to be a great time. It is at the Red Hook in the West Village of Detroit, right downtown. It's my favorite coffee shop. I love it. Also, my friend, Her business is called The Quiet Club. She makes these beautiful, amazing journals, and she will be there with her journals. So 
that's another reason to come. And my friends who have my favorite juice company, Drought, they will be there with samples of juice. And there's a, actually a block party going on in the West Village that day. So there's going to be a lot of cool stuff happening and going on. So definitely come out for that next Saturday if you're around or even remotely close. It would be so nice to meet you guys. So I hope to see you then. And next up, I will be in LA for my launch party there which is on the 22nd. It's a Sunday night. It's in Santa Monica. And all the details are in the show notes for that. So if you have any questions at all, just check the show notes, click the link in your on your phone, wherever you're listening to the podcast, and you can get all the info you need about the launch party and how to sign up and how to get there. So that will all be there. And last but not least, well, not last, but the last one I'm really going to talk about is I will be on May 28th, that is Memorial Day weekend. I will be spending the weekend with my good friends, Simi and Tim, in Columbus, Ohio. Simi is hosting an event for me at the Barnes & Noble there where I'll be signing books, hanging out. We'll do a little Q&A. We'll take photos. It'll be super fun, so definitely come to that. And then I will be in Chicago on June 18th. And I'm not even going to provide any more details or where I'm going to be after that because that just seems really far away. So... It'll be here before we know it because the summers always go by so fast. But that's all I'm going to plug for right now. Stick around to the end of the episode so you can hear who's coming up on the show next week. And until then, enjoy this amazing interview with Melissa Ambrosini, who's just so sweet. She's just like a ball of joy. She's so nice. And I really enjoyed Samantha as well. So stick around for both of those. And I will see you guys at the end of this episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm so super psyched for this interview today with one of my idols and someone who I've looked up to and been following for such a long time. Melissa Ambrosini is here all the way from Australia through the interwebs. We're talking with each other, and we were just commenting how time zones are so weird. It's the morning for her. It's the evening for me. And yet here we are having a conversation. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Well, I really want to talk about so many different things with you, but I think the best place to start, and I'm sure you've had to tell this story so many times, so feel free to let it kind of mold into whatever you want, wherever you want to go with this. But I would really love to zoom the lens back and talk about how you got your start and how you kind of got to the place you are today where you are this inspirational person and speaker and really into all the wellness wonderland things that I'm into and you're having a book come out. So I would love if you could kind of talk about where you were a couple of years ago and how that got you to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So back in 2010, I hit rock bottom, fell really sick and ended up in hospital. And before that, I was living a very different life to the life that I live now. I was a professional dancer and I danced at the Moulin Rouge in Paris and I worked in London and did dancing and acting and TV presenting, but I was burning the candle at both ends and living a very destructive life. I had no idea how to nourish my body. I was on sleeping tablets. I was very unhappy and unwell. And I used drugs and alcohol to escape from the unhappiness that was deep within. Mm -hmm. And it was only a matter of time before my body 
decided that enough was enough. And a few years prior to landing in hospital, there was lots of little warning signs, which I ignored to kind of stop and slow down. And I just ignored them and ignored them. But the universe was like, enough is enough. And pulled the rug from underneath me and decided that the only way I was going to listen was if it made me really stop. And I ended up in hospital with a whole host of health issues from chronic fatigue, thyroid problems, vitamin and mineral deficiencies, high levels of mercury. I'd lost my period. I had acne all over my face. I had eczema all over my body, hives. And I was dealing with panic attacks, sleeping, you know, wasn't sleeping, anxiety, depression, and eating disorder. And I was very unwell and very unhappy and I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And it took me that big wake-up call for me to kind of stop and look and listen. And when I was in hospital, I had a friend give me, Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life. Mm. and it was like the light bulbs just went off in my mind and I was like, holy smokes, why are we not taught this stuff in school? And I just devoured the book in a day and I just became obsessed with this personal development and self-help world. I read every single book I could get my hands on from, you know, great teachers like Marianne Williamson and Deepak Chopra and Eckhart Tolle and Bruce Lipton and John D. Martini, all these amazing teachers. And I just was a sponge for their wisdom. And from there, I dove headfirst into this world. I went on to study different modalities and healing modalities. But I just became obsessed with this world because I started to feel healthier and happier and I just continued to follow that and six years later it has snowballed to where I am today with this beautiful published book Mastering Your Mean Girl. I'm a speaker all over the world and I create online products and programs for women to be the best versions of themselves and it's been a beautiful journey but I've continued to put one foot in front of the other over the last six years and continue to show up and it's been super fun. Yeah, it's been really fun to witness too. I don't know if you know this or I didn't get to tell you before the call, but I have been with you since the beginning. I found you when you would do, I think it was like three or four years ago, maybe four years ago when you were on Health Talks. And yes, it was like my favorite thing. I would be so excited for the people listening who haven't been with me since the beginning because I remember like linking to it on my blog. But um I, it was this web series with Melissa and a bunch of really amazing wellness people in Australia that I somehow found, and I just loved it. I devoured it. I think it was how I learned about oil pulling for the first time and, like, so <laughs> many different things that I've since talked about a lot, and I would mm. always link to it and share the videos, and, and it's been so cool to watch you grow from there and um, I think back then you were you weren't maybe necessarily just getting started but I don't think you were really where you are today obviously and it's just been really cool to watch your journey and and feel like I've been a part of it it is really beautiful to there is a a group of 
you beautiful women who have been part of my tribe from the very beginning and it's so nice it's really really beautiful yeah and it's cool because I was just starting the podcast around then too and so I know what you mean because there are people who have listened to the podcast since the beginning and I I love those the new people are great too but I love those people who have been with it since the beginning and watched it grow and like you said snowball into what it is now and I think that's really cool. So what was it like um, doing health talks? Can you tell us about that for anyone like me who's been with you since the beginning? It was so much fun. It was amazing fun filming that with those three other beautiful women. It was so much fun. And we didn't really realize at the time just how powerful that was. Like we were kind of just like, yeah, let's get together and film something and, you know, let's do this. But it was so powerful and so many women found my work through that. So yeah. I'm really grateful. But I, we really didn't understand the potency of it back then. We were just, you know, sharing what we loved. Yeah, I think that's why it's so good. I think anything where people are just doing something that they love and then just sharing it instead of doing something that they think other people will love is always when it's really good. And you could tell by watching those videos, it was just, you you could tell, first of all, that you were actually friends and really close. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that you were actually really passionate about this stuff and it wasn't planned. It wasn't like super, um, it it, it was perfect. It was perfectly imperfect. You know, I just, Mm -hmm. I loved it. I was like waiting for the next episode every week. It was so cool. Thank you. From all the, like halfway across the, or completely all the way across the world. (laughs) Yes. Um, so now I want to talk a little bit about the book and I love the name mastering your inner mean girl. When I heard that, I was like, that's what I call my ego. Like I've, I love the movie mean girls. And so that's what I always call my ego voice or the negative voice in my head. I would just always call it my inner mean girl. So as soon as I saw the title of your book, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. So can you tell us about how the idea for the book came to be? And I'd love to know a little bit about your writing process and what that was like. So when I, Uh, started coaching women one-on-one I started working with them around their health and life goals and they started making drastic changes you know they would overhaul their entire diet they would you know get these dream jobs they would leave toxic relationships they would get healthy and happy again and they started doing all of these external things but and it made a difference but the biggest difference was no matter what they were doing outside of themselves, it doesn't matter how much yoga and oil pulling and dry body brushing and smoothie drinking that you do. If you haven't got that internal dialogue sorted out, you're wasting your time and your money. And that's what I kept on seeing. I kept on seeing that all these women were doing all these things. They were doing yoga and they were doing oil pulling, but they were still unhappy. And that's when I started to really understand the power of the mind and the concept of your mean girl. And I started then working with women and reprogramming their fear-based limiting beliefs. And from there, they automatically 
were drawn to yoga. They were automatically drawn to more inspiring people and to more inspiring work options and relationships and food choices and the ways that they can move their body. They were drawn to coconuts instead of cocktails. They were drawn to yoga classes instead of nights out. And it was a matter of the shifting of the mentality that was the most powerful. So that's where the whole mingle and the reprogramming of the mind stuff really began and I started seeing the most results with the women when we were doing the mind stuff first. So that's how that all kind of came about. Um, And then my writing process, um, this book was brewing. It was really brewing within me and I, it was a really nice process to write. I went away on a six week creative bender with my husband, we called it. Cool. And he's a musician and a movie producer. So he was writing music and working on all his his album whilst we were away. And I was down the other end of the house writing my book. And we had this six weeks in total nature, just immersed in the creative process. And it was so beautiful. Like where we were was visually beautiful and just totally connected to Mother Earth. It was stunning. And the book came out it just came out I wasn't doing any other work I was totally just dedicated to my book I gave myself an hour a day to check in with my team and to check emails and that was from five till six Um, and that was you know the rest of the time I was just totally immersed in the writing and it was a really beautiful process and It gets a little bit more challenging when the editing starts to come in, you know, because you have Mm -hmm. someone else who put who gives their opinion and they have notes, um, and then you kind of have to think about things, and that that is the I guess that's the more challenging part of the process. Actually, getting it out for me was quite was quite effortless. Yeah, that's that's how I felt too. And I feel like the editing process, I actually really enjoyed that too, just because my editor was so great and we kind of had a conversation and the track changes and it was it was fun to see her reaction to the book. But it was also like there were so many little odds and ends that needed to be done. I remember at first being overwhelmed by how much, you know, just needed to happen before it went to print and it was just that initial like I need to sort out what I'm going to do each day because it's not like you're writing a blog post or an essay where you can just figure out where you are each day in writing the book the first time too but you had to like I would always have to mark my spot as to where I was going to start the next day so I could hit the ground running and I didn't have Mm -hmm. to be like where was I? Because it's not like you can just go ahead when you're at the end of the book and read everything you've written so far. You have to know where you're going to start the next day because it's just too big of a document to be able to do that. So that's a good... Oh, totally. That was like one thing for me that was really important. I always had to like tell myself where I was starting the next day so I wouldn't just be trying to figure that out and taking a couple hours doing that. So, But I love that you were able to go away and that sounds like such a fun thing you were able to do with your husband. It was so beautiful. I don't know how people, I I mean, did you write your book like in your normal everyday life? I don't know how people do it. Yeah. I just woke up really early and I had to work at my job all throughout and I had to like do everything else. But I 
like made it work. But next time I would love to go on a creative retreat with my yeah. husband <laughs> that I don't yeah, have that's... yet. But yes, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was really powerful. Would you really guys powerful. like have dinner together and talk about, you know, what you both oh, created yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, so we would wake up around five thirty, and we would do our morning routine of you know yoga and meditation, and have brekkie together. And then that's breakfast for mm-hmm. the people in America. Who that's our Aussie slang for breakfast. Um, then we would kind of, I would go into my little creative re- writing retreat like around 8, 8.30, I can't really remember. And then I would write till lunchtime. So I would not lift my head really. I would, the only time I would get up to be, to go get some water, more water or to pee. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have my phone near me and I didn't have the internet on my laptop. So um, I was very disciplined, really disciplined, but I kind of had to be because I had a deadline. So I just had to get my butt into gear so I would write until lunchtime like around 12 30 I think maybe one I can't really remember and then we would cook some lunch together we would have a beautiful lunch and we'd sit outside and we would um we would sit in the sun together and eat together and we would share what we had done I would usually read him what I wrote that day oh that's that morning yeah so I would read to him what I wrote that morning and he would give me his feedback and it was really powerful to have someone there yeah. to kind of bounce that off. And then with his feedback, I would then spend the afternoon kind of maybe writing a little bit more, but, you know, taking on board his feedback and kind of molding and shaping what I'd written that day. And then we would kind of finish it around 5, 5.30 for a meditation together and then we'd do um, – email hour we called it and we'd both just dive into our inbox for you know around 45 minutes sometimes half hour sometimes it may have been an hour just depending um what was involved in anything that our team needed from us we would kind of just dive in and quickly give feedback and things like that and then it was again dinner and um then just time for us you know really we'd have a bath and just, you know, chill out and relax and just enjoy each other's company. Like we had to switch off. Otherwise it was just too stimulating. So we'd watch TV and things like that. You know, we love travel shows and cooking shows. So we'd watch things like that together to really just switch off. And then it was in bed reading and early nights because we had to do it all again the next day, but it was a really beautiful process. And really inspiring to have him there with me to experience it and being not in your own environment your own house I felt was really really powerful because there wasn't many distractions Mm -hmm. I find in my own house there's so many distractions I'm like oh I'll just clean out that cupboard yeah oh yeah totally that's so cool I love that and I'm totally going to adopt that the next time I write a book or have a big creative project I think that's so cool and it's so funny because my favorite writer Elizabeth Gilbert she when she wrote her not her most recent book but like two books ago it's this huge amazing novel called The Signature of All Things and she her husband um, also 
what is sounds amazing like yours and they would every single night um she would write all day in her little like writer's retreat and then would tell her husband what happened and he would always be like darling what happens next and then every morning she would be so excited to like be able to tell or every evening she'd be so excited to tell him what happened that day and he was so excited to figure out what happened that day and all the like twists and turns and it just reminds me of the dynamic that you and your husband have I think that's so cool yeah was it fiction yes yeah it was it was her fiction book yes yes oh that sounds great yeah and you know what like I I read a lot of great writers writing processes and I found that was really detrimental because I was like well Tim Ferriss writes from 11 p.m till 5 a.m and drinks coffee the whole time and has movies playing in the background and how does he do that I have no idea. And I was like, well, maybe I, like my main girl was like, well, maybe you should be doing that. And, you know, your writing process needs to be more like that person. And then I was just like, you know what? No, my writing process needs to be my writing process. I don't want to, like a lot of people talk about getting up and writing, you know, for three hours before the sun comes up. To me, if you can do that, absolutely go and do that. But I need my sleep. Yeah. And you have to make it work in whatever phase of life you're in. You know, if you're exactly. able to to go away, then I think that that might be a great option. Maybe someone can't or maybe, you know, you're getting it in when you can. I think that just find figuring out whatever works for you in the phase of your life that you're in is really important. And comparison is just a trap, I think, for everyone. Exactly. It's one of your main girl's biggest tricks. Yeah, which is so crazy. But the thing about watching, I could never write and watch a movie or do like anything. No, he, he would have it. He would have it playing in the background um, so that he didn't feel lonely whilst huh. he was writing through the night. So he had like it would just be on mute. Yeah, that's um, funny. And he, he'd, he would literally have the same movie playing and playing and playing in the background over and over huh. again. Oh my gosh, that's inter- fascinating. I think it's really interesting to learn about people's different people's processes, but it's also our mean girl likes to compare, yes. so it's dangerous. It's kind of a slippery slope. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit more about the inner mean girl and tell us a little bit about who that is, what that means, and some. I know you get into it in a lot more depth than the book, but if we could just give people a good idea of what that means and how they can manage that in their lives right now, some kind of tips and tools they could take into their life today. So basically your mean girl is that fear-based egoic voice inside your head. Some people call it the inner critic, your smaller self or the ego or Mary, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. You can call it whatever you want, but basically it's that fear-based voice inside your head that tells you that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not successful enough, you're not whatever enough. And that fear-based voice has been hardwired into our operating system from a very young age, but And for those of you who have heard this for the first time, that is not your truth. Your truth is love. And fear is there to be used to get you back on your path of love. And that's how I use it anyway. I love that. I think it's so important to talk about this sort of thing 
because we get so wrapped up in thinking that that voice of the ego is who we actually are and is the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Because most of us have, you know, really had quite a loud mean girl or bad boy, depending if you're male or female. And that voice may have come up from a very, very young age. And sometimes we have, however, depending how old we are, we may have 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years of unlearning and reprogramming to do. And that's okay. It doesn't matter how old you are. It just means that we've got to put in the work to master our mean girl, to live the life that is our true life. Yeah. So... Would you say that for, and I've I've heard you speak about this before, and this is something that, you know, I've realized the biggest tip for me to master my inner mean girl is presence. Like whenever I'm in the present moment, I can't, there's, that voice isn't there. So can you talk about how presence is important to this process of mastering your inner mean girl? Absolutely. Presence is key because when you are in the past, or in the future, that's when your mean girl pops up. Okay, so when you are present, your ego cannot exist. Only love can. So your ego will do whatever she can to keep you ang- like anxious over the past and stressing about the future. That is your mean girl's primary role is to keep you out of the present moment. Mm. It's so important and it also can be so challenging to with all the distractions that we have in our lives right now, especially with the internet and everything else and just being busy. What are some tips or some things that you do personally to remind yourself to stay in the present moment or when you are out of it and you're turning to your phone or you're turning to something else to distract yourself from the present moment, how do you get yourself back? I guess there's two things. Meditation has been paramount for me. It's been so powerful to really help me flex my presence muscles. And, you know, for me, gosh, it's like I didn't even realize how not present I was until you sit and you meditate and you realize, whoa, my monkey mind is just going at a million miles an hour. So something that I try and do is, I mean, my phone and my computer are the biggest things that pull me out of the present moment. So I try and when I'm on my phone, I be on my phone. And when I'm not on my phone, I'm not kind of half looking at it or like half responding or I just turn it on silent and I leave it alone. Like I turn it over so that I can be with the person that I'm with. Um, So, you know, my phone and my computer are, are really, really big things that pull me out of the present moment. And I just aim to do one thing at a time. I think women wear multitasking like a badge of honor. And I don't want to be a multitasker because when you are, you're doing 15 things half-assed. I'd rather do one thing really, really well and then move on to the next and then to the next and then to the next. And all I have to do right now is sit here and be present with you. That's all I have to do. And if I go into my head and think about the to-do list that is quite long, 
I will get anxious, it will pull me out of the present moment and I won't give a good interview. I won't be here with you in this present moment with the interview because I'll be stressing and worrying about what's to come. But all I can do for the next half hour or so is just be here with you. That's it. And then when this interview's finished, I can move on to the next thing, whatever that is. And then I can move on to the thing after that. So it's like when I'm with my son, I'm with my son. When I'm with my husband, I'm with my husband. And I don't always get this right. Don't get me wrong. I'm still mastering my main girl every single day. I don't always get this right, but I'm aware of it. And it's something that I constantly practice and want to work on and get stronger and stronger at. It's it's a daily practice. That just like blew my mind. I'm so glad you talked about the multitasking badge of honor. I think like you were saying, they wear it, people, myself included, wear it as a badge of honor. And same thing with busyness. Like I'm so busy. And I think if we can really change that into focus, it makes us less it shouldn't be a badge of honor to be so busy. It's almost like when we see someone we haven't seen in a while, oh, how are you? Really busy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it really, it goes to kind of speaking to these same things that we would probably be less busy if we were more present. Exactly. And that's why in the book, there's a whole chapter on banishing the word busy and stopping the glorification of busy. Like there is three words that are eliminated from mine and my family's vocabulary. And one of them is busy. And the other one is should and the other one is can't. So, but going back to busy, it's, you know, whenever anyone asks me how, you know, I've just been on my national tour around Australia for my book and everyone's like, oh my God, you must be so busy and exhausted. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm peaceful. Like I feel quite peaceful and I feel beautiful and content. And that kind of really takes people by surprise they're like what like shouldn't you be run down and stressed and overwhelmed and I'm like no like if I'm just putting one foot in front of the other then I'm okay it's when I go into my head that I get overwhelmed yeah Mm, it's so good so you actually help people with their businesses and with creating some of that structure and organization. So like you were saying, you do have so much on your plate, but you are peaceful. Do you have any tips for staying organized and being super productive? I think being super productive means you've got to get really organized. You've got to be really organized. And um, I think practicing some, we all have a million things to do. We all have long to-do lists. We've got kids, we've got families. Well, we don't all have kids, but some of us have kids, some of us have families or pets and we've all got things on. Like it's not a competition who's the busiest. But the way that you move through it is true strength. That's where true strength really shines through. And I think getting organized is so key. Having a good system is so key to getting stuff done. And then I think meditation, taking time for yourself, mastering your mean girl, filling yourself up, you know, flexing your self-love muscle, which is what I talk about in the book, really taking, no matter how busy you are, Flexing yourself love muscle every single day is so important. Yeah. 
that's a good transition to the next thing that we always talk about on the show, which is body image. And that really brought me into this work. And that's my story with this. So is that something that you've struggled with? And is that something that you, how do you master that now? And how does your mean, mean girl come up in relation to that specific thing? And how is that something that you deal with now? Absolutely. I used to suffer from an eating disorder and depression and it was a very hard time in my life. Like it was so tough and I think back and I just think, oh, that gorgeous little girl, you know, so struggling and really, really suffering and if I could just go back and give her a big giant cuddle, I would. But that was my journey and I needed to experience that. But basically any body image stuff is your mean girl. It's your mean girl. You're letting her speak. You're letting her tell you that you're not good enough and you're not skinny enough and compare you to the other people on Instagram or social media and you'll never lose the weight and your skin's dull and ugly and you've got bags, all that stuff. Anything to do with body image is your mean girl. So instead of fixing the body, we fix, we, we master the mean girl first. And that's where we really have to begin. We have to work on the mind stuff first. Um, falling in love with yourself is, was one of the most challenging things that I ever had to experience. And although on the outside it looked like I had my life together, I was so miserable and depressed and unhappy on the inside. And I had to do a lot of work. I had to do a lot of self-love and a lot of mastering my own mean girl and to get to where I am today. And, you know, my mean girl still pops up, like I said, but I'm just quicker and quicker at catching her and mastering her. Mm, yeah, that's amazing. And that's such a good power of example of, a, of inspiration of where to get to with that. So once you master the self-love, I think the love and other relationships can really come into form. So I would love to know your advice for relationships. I know you got married um, kind of somewhat recently, and I'd love to know how you met your husband and what your relationship has been like since you've been married and any relationship advice you have. Yeah, so we've been married almost two years now, oh, like wow. this month. It goes yeah, so which... I remember seeing it on Instagram, but I feel yeah. like it was... Not that long ago, but it's crazy. It goes by fast. I know. It was seriously so beautiful. It was so yes, beautiful. Yes, it was so beautiful. You looked so beautiful. I totally stopped oh. all the pictures. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Like my our wedding video was one of the most watched videos on all of my YouTube channels. So it's really interesting. goes to show people love love. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we – we had known each other for a couple of years before we actually got together and we were both at a place in our life where we were overflowing and bursting with love before we got together. I was so content within my own skin and it took me a lot of, a lot of work to get to this place. Um, and I had finally got to this place where I was so content in my own skin. I was so happy. I was so happy. I was really enjoying life. I was, I was not concerned about marriage or having kids. I was just content. And so was he. And what happens when two whole and complete people come together? It's just like fireworks. 
two people, two, I believe a relationship is two whole and complete people coming together to share their completeness. It's not, for me in the past, it had been, I had a void within me and they had a void within them and I filled that void in them and they filled that void in me. And of course, when we enter a relationship with voids, it has an expiration date Mm -hmm. because one of you is going to grow and evolve and transcend that void and you'll no longer need that person to fill it. So that for me had been all of, I had, you know, been in many relationships before my husband and there was always a void. I filled in them and they filled in me and it never really felt quite right. Like even my partner of three years before I met my husband, you know, people used to say, are you guys going to get married and have kids? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't believe in marriage and I don't want to have kids. No, no, no. Like, And that was from fear because I knew deep down that he wasn't the one. Mm. And I stayed out of comfort and security and because I was scared to be alone. And that was like a lot of my relationships. I stayed just out of fear. And I finally left that relationship, which was such a weight lifted off my shoulders and very liberating for me, even though it was challenging because nothing was wrong. He wasn't an abusive man. There was nothing physically wrong in our relationship. He was lovely, still is. And we had a house together. We had furniture together. We had friends together. We had money together. So I stayed because I was like, oh, it's too much hard work to, to leave. It's too much hard work. And there was nothing wrong. Like we... It was almost like we were just like best friends and yeah, but there wasn't that juicy, there wasn't that mm-hmm. that spark. And so for me to leave that relationship was really ballsy on my part. Like I was really, I was really scared. But the day that I drove away in the removalist van was like a weight lifting off my shoulders. It was so beautiful but from there then I went into peeling back onion layers and you know a lot of soul searching and a lot of healing work after that and then a couple of months about six months went past and um, I'd finally got to a place where I was so content so happy and then bam in walks my beautiful husband and we were engaged after two weeks oh my gosh wow yeah and then we were married six months later. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. So how did you yeah. guys meet? Where were you when you met? Well, we had known each other for like three and a half years before oh, we. Oh wow! So you guys were yeah. friends. Yeah. Well, not like like not like good friends, but we knew each other. Like we'd see each other at events, and we'd you know say hi, but we wouldn't like call each other or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. we just knew each other in the industry here in Australia, and we knew of each other and things like that. We actually had dinner, you know, with his ex-girlfriend, my ex-partner and another couple. But it's so funny, like I think back to that dinner and it's almost like if it was a cartoon, there was like a black cloud over him. It's like the universe was like, you're not meant to see each other just yet. Wow. You're not, you're not ready. You're not ready. You've too, You've both got too much healing work to do. And it's so funny because back in 2010, he fell really sick and ended up in hospital as well. We both have very similar stories. Wow. We were both in three-year relationships. He fell very sick. At the same time, I fell very sick. We both entered relationships with these beautiful partners who really helped us on our healing journey. And they both lasted for three years. They both ended around the same time. Wow. 
And then we both went into, and we were both content. We were both like, I don't believe in marriage. And don't, he's already got a beautiful son. And he's like, I don't want another, any more kids. I'm happy with Leo and I'm just content. And, you know, when people used to say to me, when you know, you know, and I was like, yeah, right, whatever. And then I met my husband and on the second date, I text my best friend and I was like, yep, I know. And she was like, oh my God, are you serious? And I was like, yep, this is it. Oh my gosh, that's such a good story. Yeah, it's thank you it for was beautiful. All of that. Oh, thank you. No, he's um, and and you know when you meet your other half, it's it's where there's so much unity on every level. I used to believe that you had to compromise and you had to suppress some parts of yourself in order to make the other person happy, and that's definitely not my case. Like he compliments me so much he is there to share I'm already whole and complete and he's just there to share my completeness yeah I love that that's so cool I love stories like that it's my favorite thing to hear and ask about I think it's and I think it's really important for people to hear too I think again inspiration is really and power of example is really important so I love that oh it's so cool so one thing that you mentioned too that he's really he meditates with you and he's very much you know doing this work as well was that always the case before you guys even met or did you kind of introduce yes. him to this no no he's been on this path probably longer than me he's been on this spiritual path and meditating and he is eats incredible we neither of us drink alcohol he is so dedicated to his spiritual practice and spiritual path it's so inspiring oh cool what kind of meditation do you guys do well we've tried and dabbled in a whole heap of different ones over the years um but currently i'm practicing transcendental meditation yeah which i love yeah and and he does that too but he you know we do guided meditations we've also he's also doing some um amazing powerful breath work at the moment um which is like powerful kundalini meditations which are a little bit too intense for me like i spin out and um i end up when i do it like almost fainting. So for me, it's a little bit too strong at the moment, Um, but he loves it. It's like really deep kundalini breath uh, meditations, which, yeah, a bit too much for me. Very cool. That's cool. So one thing that I'm just curious about is, you know, this sort of thing in this wellness world that, you know, you and I are both in um, on the internet and I'm in America and you're in Australia And I would just love to know, you know, here it's becoming way more well-known with we were talking about, you know, our mutual friend Gabby Bernstein. And um, there's so many people who are now familiar with this work and it seems to be really growing here in America. I was wondering, do you think it's, I kind of just assumed, but maybe this was because I just followed, you know, all of you guys from Health Talks, that it was way more so in Australia. But having been to the United States and and see the comparison, would you say that it's more well-known in Australia or is it kind of at maybe growing at the same pace? I'm just curious about that. That's a really good question. I don't know. I feel like Australia is there are 
so there's so much of it there is so much of it and it's beautiful and the community here is amazing like the support and the love it's really beautiful but I feel like the states there's there's a lot of it too um it definitely depends on where here because it's so big yeah. and it, you know in the like, bigger cities and on the west coast it definitely is but there's yeah. definitely pockets where it's not you know which I'm sure is the same in yeah. Australia but Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think L.A. and New York are very, mm-hmm. you know, very into spirituality, health and wellness and being the best version of yourself. I think it's very ahead there, which is why I'm heading to New York and L.A. Mm-hmm. this week to launch my book um, and run some events there. I think it's really ahead there, especially like the health scene, I think, is really big in those yeah. two areas. Um so, yeah, and, and I know it's only going to continue to grow, which is beautiful. Yeah, totally. Very cool. So now this is another question I ask everyone who comes on the show. So can you walk us through your morning routine and any specifics you do to start your day and why that's important to how the rest of your day goes? Yeah, so my morning routine, it kind of changes a little bit because I have a beautiful stepson one week on and one week off, so it changes. So the weeks that I have him um, – it looks very different to the weeks that we don't have him. So it usually starts, I wake up and I meditate for 20 minutes and I then do some form of movement. So I'll either do yoga at home if I don't have time to go to a class. Um, I'll just do like 10 minutes of yoga on my bedroom floor in my underwear. And, um, you know, I, I dry body brush and I scrape my tongue and, and then I – have breakfast. You know, it's, I I also say what I'm grateful for with my husband. That's the first thing we do when we roll over and we say, good morning. We say, what are three things you're grateful for? That's how we, yeah, we always start our day like that. And then, um, we have brekkie and it's on with the day. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically it. And then there's mornings where I'm able to go to a class like Pilates or yoga or something like that when I don't have to make school lunches, breakfasts and do school drop-offs. And that I'll still wake up and do meditation first and then I'll head to a class Um, and then come back and dry body brush and um, have a shower and start my day. Cool. I love that. Do you guys have a go-to staple breakfast? Do you have something different every day? What do you have for brekkie? I should have said brekkie. (laughs) I have something called a fatty latte, which is a recipe from my ebook, The Glow Kitchen. It's the the beautiful recipes in there. It's basically, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the bulletproof diet concept. Mm -hmm. It's, um, he has bulletproof coffee mixed with grass-fed butter in the morning. And what that that saturated fat does is keeps you fuller for longer and uh, really turns on your cognition because our brain is made up of saturated fat, like 75% saturated fat. So we need that fat in the morning. So I have a tea version where I mix like a whole heap of different teas. Um, So like maybe licorice root and nettle and yerba mate and all these different teas and then I brew that and in the blender I throw in some ghee and coconut oil and MCT oil and brain octane and turmeric and cinnamon and cardamom and vanilla bean and stevia and all of these things and then I mix the tea in and I blend it and it's called it's like a fatty latte it's delicious that sounds amazing 
So what about on the other end of the day? Can you walk us through some of your evening rituals and how you wind down and relax at the end of a day? So I always do my second meditation around 5.30 and then like that goes for like 20 minutes and then it's dinner, like dinner around, I either start dinner or dinner's kind of ready if I've prepared something during the day in the slow cooker or something like that. And um, from like six till seven, it's like sitting around the dinner table and, and being with my husband and our little man. And then when we've got him, it looks very different again to the weeks we don't have him. But when we've got him, it's like bedtime and stories and things like that. When we don't have him, I really, really aim to close my computer. Like once I've done my meditation and my had dinner, the computer is shut. I really try to do that. That doesn't always happen if you're in the middle of a launch. Sometimes I have to jump back on my computer at 7.30 once we've put Leo to bed, which I don't love, but um, sometimes I have to do that. And then the evening is like, you know, we just connect and have a bath and get into bed super early. Like I was in bed at 7.45 last night, no joke. That's amazing. That sounds so great. I might get into and bed I'll right just, after this. <laughs> yeah, and I just read and, you know, we talk and we connect and that's our time. We just hang out in bed and just chat and, you know, two hours have gone past and we're like, oh, my goodness. That's why we get into bed early because we know we're going to chat and, and stay up and things like that. So we jump pillow into talk. bed super early. Yeah, pillow talk, exactly. And so, like, we'll be like, oh, my goodness, we've been talking for two and a half hours and that's literally – what it's like. So, um, but he's away at the moment. So I still jumped into bed at 7.45 last night and I got nine hours sleep last night. And I'm just like, oh my God, I feel like a different person. That's so great. I love that. (laughs) Um, All right. So now let's do some quick fire questions. You down for that? Yes. Okay. So just say like the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. So favorite color? Purple. Favorite yoga pose? Downward dog. Favorite day of the week? Friday. Favorite hour of the day? Ooh, ooh, oh, oh, <laughs> evening? I don't know. Like maybe like seven o'clock when I'm in bed with my hubby. Nice. Um, favorite vegetable? Broccoli. Favorite fruit? Berries. What are you most excited about in your life right now? I am literally about in a few days getting on a plane to go to New York. So I'm pretty excited about that. But Yay. I'm also excited about today. It's it's going to be a good day. Yay. What's the number one practical self-care action you do the most or would recommend the most for people? Meditation. What's your favorite beauty ritual? Dry body brushing. Nice. What's the best food or meal you've eaten in the last week? Oh my goodness. My husband makes the, he's an amazing cook. He makes this slow cooked lamb curry korma thing with this broccoli, um, not broccoli, sorry, cauliflower dish, like this creamy coconut cauliflower dish. It is my favorite thing on the planet. Like we have it once a week and I like, I look forward to it so much. Oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. What does your ideal day look like? Um, very much similar to my day that I, I live yeah. every day, which is, I you know, my, my morning routine, which I shared with you. And then I dive into some work and I have a beautiful lunch 
in the sun. Uh, today it's raining and overcast, which I won't be able to do. Um, and then the afternoon, um, I would love, you know, a little bit more work and some more self-time, self-care time. So I love swimming in the ocean and watching the sunset and things like that. So yeah, my day. And then again, dinner with my boys and meditation and jumping into bed early with my husband. Very cool. If you could have a superhero power for a day, what would it be? I guess teleport myself. Like I love travel, but I don't love sitting on an airplane for 21 hours. Oh man, is that how long it is to the same? Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's full on and I love I love travel. I love being there. And so I wish I could just like go and then be there in that moment. Yeah. So just teleport myself to New York right now so I don't have to sit on the plane and go through that whole process. I mean, it's it's not that bad. It's first world problems, hey, but it's um, it's definitely not, you know, yeah. I get a really sore lower back sitting for that long. I mean, if you get a superhero power, go for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so this is a fun one. You're having a dinner party and you can invite five people who do you invite? What do you make? Who do you, or what do you hope someone turns and asks you at the party? And what do you hope no one asks you that you just don't feel like talking about anymore? Oh my goodness. Okay. Let's go through those questions again. The five people first, yeah. mm-hmm. my husband for sure. Um, Oprah. My stepson. Oprah gets invited so much on the show. She's going to so many dinner parties. Uh, um, I know it's hard. That'd be a good group right there. I know. Maybe Steve Jobs. Nice. I would love Chris Martin from Coldplay as well. For my oh. husband, I'd mainly I'd mainly do that for him, but I'm interested and intrigued as well. But I'd do that so he had someone that he just totally loves there too. Um, what would I make? I'd get I'd make my I'd get my husband to make that lamb korma with the cauliflower dish, and then I'd do like some epic dessert, like some delicious raw vegan gluten free, sugar free, dairy free amazingness. Um, what were the other questions? What would I hope someone asked me? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I would I, I would I would hope the conversation would be authentic and deep and vulnerable and open. So I'm happy for them to ask me, you know, deep, open, vulnerable questions, whatever that is for them. Like maybe it's about yeah, you know, my journey or what I I believe, why I believe we're here on this earth or you know, things like that. Like I love authentic, open conversations. So I would be totally grateful to have that sort of conversation with people. Cool. And anything you hope that you don't want to talk about with people or anything that you wouldn't want to come up? Um, <clears throat> no, I'm a pretty open book. So I am happy to, anything is on the table for me. Cool. So in the following categories, just recommend something. So a movie that's your favorite or that you saw recently that you want to recommend, anything in that category? 
before sunrise and before oh, sunset. Oh, they're so good. They're I so good. I love those movies. Have you seen the third one? There's a third one. Uh, what's yeah, it called? Yeah, it came out recently. I think it's called um, – oh, I'll have to look it up. But, yeah, it's Julie Depley and um, and Ethan Hawke, and they're, like, older, and they have kids, and they go back. You have to watch it. It came out, like, two years ago. Okay, yeah. amazing. Just, like, Google it. It's. I think it's called – after something it's one of those yeah after oh you're gonna love it it's really good um great so favorite book or a book you want to recommend mine mastering your mango yay and song anything in music anything that either your favorite song or one that you've been listening to a lot recently my husband, his musical name is Broadhurst, and he just released his first single called Little Lover. So that is by far one that's always on repeat. Cool. I'm going to look it up. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, everyone must go check out your book. I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast. All right, you guys, I have the amazing Samantha Skelly here in the Wellness Wonderland to chat with us a little bit about what she does. So, Samantha, tell me about who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I am. Um, it's going to be fun. So, I. Let me start with my backstory, like why I do what I do. So I have a company called Hungry for Happiness, and we help women who are really struggling with the relationship they have to food in their bodies. So, so many people, when they find out what I do, they're like, well, how did you, how did you get there? Um, what, what made you do that? So I grew up as a dancer. And so I was constantly in front of a mirror Monday to Friday, three till nine. And in that world, you're constantly looking at your body in a state of comparison. And you're always wanting to change, be skinnier and all that kind of stuff. And I was also a, a childhood actress. So when I wasn't on a stage, I was in front of a camera. So I was always being, you know, looked at. And when I was younger, it didn't bother me as much. But as soon as I turned 18 and I stopped dancing, I went into a little bit of a panic and I realized that oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not exercising as much as I, as I was. So I need to start controlling every single calorie that goes into my body. And it was so stressful for so long. And every single diet that's on the market, I, I've tried and I've done it. And of course they've all failed me. And so, but I kept repeating that cycle. I kept repeating the cycle of doing a diet, doing it for like four or five days getting frustrated, feeling deprived, feeling angry, and then throwing in the towel and then eating, binge eating on all the foods that I felt so deprived from. Uh, Binge eating is just simply a a physical reaction to deprivation. So that cycle was going on for years and years and years and years. And so while I was doing this, while I was in such a fight with food in my body, I at the time had a fitness company and I was living in England. So I felt there was a total lack of integrity between what I was doing, what I was teaching and what was actually going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, I felt like I was really hiding a secret from my friends and family because 
these are the things that you don't really want to talk about, you know, like body image issues, relationships with food. It's not sort of dining room table kind of conversation. So I kept it a secret for so long and I felt really isolated within the battle that I was having and experiencing. So it was overwhelming and stressful. And I just realized like, I need to break out of this somehow. I need to figure out you know, what's wrong with, with me. And so every Sunday night I would look through Instagram, Facebook, and I would really try and look for the next thing that I was going to jump on. And I remember this one particular evening, it was a Sunday evening and I was in my flat in London, just scrolling through, trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I got this like visceral, really sick feeling in my stomach and it was my body being like you need to stop damaging me like you need to stop doing this so I sort of threw my phone to the side and I just like sat there and bawled my eyes out and just cried and it was like universe just give me an answer I don't know what I'm doing anymore what I do know is I'm ruining my relationships and my career and, and the trust that I have within myself because I keep doing all this stuff and failing and it's, it was so painful. So I just went walking. I just went for a walk. I put my, my shoes on and just like walk the streets of London for a couple hours, just looking for, looking for some sort of clarity around why I was doing this. And it still felt really, muddy and confused so I got back to my apartment and checked the mail opened up the mail and I got a letter from the government saying that I was getting deported because I had overstayed my visa so I'm like okay that's the answer I was looking for I need to go back to Canada to Vancouver where I'm from and just really work on myself so for the next couple of years, for the next three years, I just really dedicated my time to working on my personal journey, working on getting healthy again, establishing a solid connection and trust with my body and myself so that could then be reflected in the relationship I had with food. So that journey was long and it was painful and it took a lot of trial and error. Um, but at, coming through the end of it, I realized that it's actually my calling and my mess is within my, like my message is within the mess that I created in my life. And so that was the first kind of sign like, okay, I need to start sharing how I got myself out of this and I need to, to, you know, reach out to people and just share with them what I did. So I just started doing that just for fun and just to, to kind of share the journey that I went through. And then I kept getting this calling, this internal calling, like, okay, this needs to be bigger. You need to, you need to help more people. And so that got stronger and stronger. And then October, 2014, I launched what is, what is now hungry for happiness, which is a movement totally dedicated to sharing this work with women and taking them through courses and experiences to, inspire them and help them and empower them mostly to break the cycle that they have with food in their body. So that's the, uh, that's the short of the long story. <laughs> oh, I love that. What a great story. So tell me a little bit more about how you help people and hungry for happiness and what exactly that you do with that. So what my whole mission is really rather than revolutionize the weight loss industry, cause it's such a big industry. 
I teach people how to use food for health and hunger by connecting into their intuitions, into their bodies, and just trusting that guidance from within. When people overeat or they binge eat, it's an, it's an internal issue. So there's an internal pain and struggle that's going on. And what they do is they use food as a drug. So they use food to numb that feeling. And because food is their drug of choice, they then put on weight. They then subject themselves to the weight loss industry that works for the time that they're on it. And then they gain all the weight back plus more. And so that vicious cycle can can be present and quite strong in someone's life for, for years and years and years. And what the weight loss industry doesn't tell us is that we're talking about an emotional issue, you know? So when we address the emotional issue, the emotion that's perpetuating this behavior, that's where we create sustainable transformation. You know, it all starts from within. We can't put band-aids on bullet wounds and expect us to, you know, come to a place where we're like, oh, okay, that diet worked. I'm really happy now. Let's continue on with life. It just isn't, it does not work that way at all. We need to be treating internal issues with internal solutions. So a lot of my work is rooted in, okay, what is the pain? The pain is loneliness. The pain is lack of acceptance. How can we fulfill ourselves internally? So these behaviors are not taking over our lives. Mm, cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So I think you mentioned you have something coming up. What is something that you want to share with the listeners about what you, how can people find you or work with you and what's going on in your world? Well, our signature program is called the society, which is by far our most uh, popular program. It's a six-month group coaching program where I take people personally through a six-month experience that's a mixture of pre-recorded and live content to really allow them to see and gain clarity around what's going on and why they're not able to lose weight, but more importantly, why they're not able to break out of the cycle. What is the what is holding them back? So we take, I take them through a process that really allows them to see those patterns and those beliefs that are keeping them stuck in their ways. So it's a, I love it. It's by application only. So I get to speak to all the women who, who do apply just to ensure that they're, they're a perfect fit. So the energy in the, in the group is all, um, is all the same and people are truly committed to, their growth. And one of the things about my kind of work is you can't diet while you work with me. And that's a huge one. And a lot of people just simply aren't ready for, for that. A lot of people continually, a lot of people try and do both at the same time and it doesn't work. When you're on a diet, you're telling your body, I don't trust you. I'm going to listen to everyone else and I'm going to manipulate my calories to try and change you. My style is having like the utmost amount of trust for our bodies so we can listen to them, be intuitive and weight loss is a result of what happens and a result of the work, not the focus. So our next semester, our next term is starting on June 27th. So that's the next big thing in our world that's happening. Cool. And people can sign up for that on your website or how do they, how do they find you and how do they keep in touch with you until yeah. then? And are you on social media? Yep. So our website is hungryforhappiness.com. Hungryforhappiness.com. We'll have the links in the show notes. There you go. This, so there you people go. don't have to listen, yeah. but we'll have the links to your social media as well and um you're on all of those which one's your favorite 
Instagram. Come follow, come play with us there. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And as you know, the question that I ask everyone at the end of the show is, what does a wellness wonderland mean to you? A wellness wonderland is an integrity between what's happening in your internal state and what's happening on the external. And I think that for me is, that's where I feel the most well is when my my internal emotional side is so full and that's able to be reflected in my external world. And it creates that like that synergy and that connection with, with what's going on inside. And, um, yeah, that's, 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 that was the first thing that came to my mind. (laughs) Well, that's beautiful. So is everything else you shared. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Samantha. You're so welcome, Katie. Thanks for having me. One more thing, I want to announce that my publisher, Hay House, is hosting this amazing Hay House World Summit, which I've been listening to for over three years now. I think it's the fourth year that they've been doing it. And basically what they do is they have these really authentic, deep conversations with all of the different Hay House authors and people who aren't Hay House authors, everyone from Marianne Williamson to Gabby Bernstein, Chris Carr, Reed Tracy, Nancy Levin, so many great, amazing authors, Deepak Chopra. And they talk about everything from meditation to yoga to self-development to dream analysis i always learn so much and i love listening to these audio interviews so if you like podcasts you're going to love that so sign up the link is in the show notes make sure you sign up with my link in the show notes and i actually am one of the experts this year talking about journaling so be sure to check out my interview and everybody else's interview there all right guys hope you liked both of those interviews next week coming up on the show We are finally talking about Transcendental Meditation. TM, as it's known, came into my life just this year, in January actually, and it's really, really been so transformative for me. So I have the head of the David Lynch Foundation, Bob Roth, in the hot seat next week talking about TM, and it's been such a fantastic journey to get to know him and to have a meditation teacher and learn this type of meditation has really served me so I'm really excited to share it with you guys so stick around next week make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and I'll see you next week with that episode